Jules, Cozy Zone friends, Ben Weber here. I'm thinking a lot about my third chakra, the solar plexus chakra, uh, Manipuri, and thinking about it as a site of transformation and feelings and anger. I've been, I've been having a week, friends, a lot of feelings. All of this, all of this ancient sadness, this darkness that I'm I'm looking at is is finally beginning beginning to crack open. On Wednesday, I had my first cry in therapy. I've been going to therapy for over a year and have not really broken down and cried. My my therapist asked me to get comfy. I took off my boots. I sat cross-legged. I I held a furry pillow that she had. And, you know, feeling a little bad. And, and really, there was a moment where, you know, I was talking about how I was feeling and feeling sad. And, you, and she was like, you know, I can really understand that I feel that way, too. And I was so moved by this, I just broke down and wept hard for a long time. And it felt amazing. Um, I had been opened up previously from my, from my work uh, with Cindy, my, my uh, craniosacral massage therapist who uh, was working on an area right below my ribs, this little point that's very tender. And it literally seems to be the key to my sadness. You know, you, you, you open it up a little bit, uh, some light palpations, my, my muscles ached, my, my sadness was uh, spewing to the surface. It's very intense. So after my, my Wednesday therapy cry. I, I go into the office. I'm feeling a little tender. I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be quite a day. Go to my computer, open up Facebook, you know, just do a little Facebook check-in the beginning of a, a work day. I see Milwaukee is trending. I guess I live in Milwaukee. Facebook is in tune to, to all the stuff. I, I follow the story. It's like, oh, there's like a, there was a thwarted shooting in Milwaukee. That's strange. So I click further and I, I read an article. There's a there's been a thwarted mass shooting at a Masonic temple in Milwaukee. My mother works in this self same Masonic temple that I see. Uh, apparently, since September, FBI informants had been working with a a young man named Sami Muhammad Hamza, uh, who wanted to go to this Masonic lodge in Milwaukee and and shoot up the place. Um, and they were working with him, and uh, they sold him machine guns, and they went on uh, a tour of the space with him. And had they been not informants, uh, it could have been really bad, but they were working for the FBI. As soon as they sold him the machine guns, they, they got him, and mass shoot- shooting was thwarted. And I'm so grateful. I was mad that I had to hear about it from Facebook and not... My mom, I, well, they didn't want to bother me in New York. My parents, I don't know. Anyway, I'm really, really grateful everyone is safe and sound. I'm glad I'm interrogating all these feelings. I just got back from a wonderful Cozy Zone recording with uh, my friend Emma, having some great uh, 
poly conversations with Emmett and Nicolette. They are super intense. Th- this is really a season of feelings. I'm about to go to a great uh, variety show uh, put on by some of my coworkers. Katie Diamond's going to be selling some art. All the people in my life are feeding me, protecting me, nourishing me, seeking that cozy zone, seeking the coziness. Brings me to this week's episode, episode 39, Zach Brown. Uh, I love Zach Brown. I love his little cute face. I love how passionate he is about creative projects, about forward momentum. Uh, I love talking with him. I love dreaming with him. Uh, I met him because uh, he was the the husband of one of my grad school colleagues, and uh, we had a, a lovely chat. We intended to go to the New York Public Library to find a cozy spot in there, but we we couldn't really find a spot, so we we opted to going to Bryant Park, which was pretty cozy. I think I think we didn't capture the optimum coziness, so we're going to go back in it. We're going to keep seeking. I mean, certainly we're all on a journey. We're all seeking. But I think you're really going to enjoy this week's episode. Guys, check us out. Like the Cozy Zone Foundation on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, Ben Weber Projects. Follow me on Twitter, Cozy Zones, BenWeberProjects.com. Thank you so much for listening, for all of the sweet feedback I'm getting. It, It really, really means a lot. It fuels me. This project fuels me. Your listenership fuels me. If you think that other people in your life are going to enjoy these intimate, meandering, site-specific conversations, please share them. Share them with the people you love. Share them with the people who make you feel the coziest. That's how the cozy empire grows. Without further ado, friends, it is my pleasure to welcome you to this week's episode, episode 39, Zach Brown in Bryant Park. Zach Brown, welcome to your cozy zone. (laughs) It's a cozy place. Where can you tell us about uh, where we are right now? Yeah, we're at Bryant Park. Uh, because they're building next to us, the skate rink. I'm not entirely sure. I think that's what is that? The corner of over that's there? Sixth Avenue. Okay, over there. This is 42nd Street. Perfect. Um, yeah, there there is the the rudiments of a winter wonderland being constructed all around us. Uh, this wasn't your, your first choice uh, cozy zone for today. No. No, I mean, I guess the, the ideal cozy zone is, is really a collective of uh, a series of places. Yeah, you're, you're a man. You, you, don't, you don't stay in one place, <laughs> no. Zach Brown. No, I'm a mover and, a, and a, I won't say a shaker. I'm just a mover. No, yeah, I would say... A mover and observer. Okay, not a shaker? Why, no. why not? Haven't found the right thing to shake yet. Okay, what is a shaker like? Who is a shaker? What is a what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Or what what do you look like as a shaker? Hmm. Again, I, I kind of like the observance factor. Okay. Uh, if I were to shake anything, it would be perceptions. Maybe through this podcast idea that I have. All right. So you, yeah, you, you, you've had a day already, and you're gonna, yeah. you're like, you have carved out a moment to like be cozy with me. Yeah. Which I'm so grateful of. Uh, I met I met you uh, through your your wife Ellen Brown, who we were grad school colleagues, and uh, I think immediately when I met you, I I was overwhelmed by this 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 energy 
uh, call it mania, perhaps, but just <laughs> this, you know, you, you are a man with so many dreams and ideas and desires um, in, in working in all sorts of disciplines. You're in grad school now. What, what are you in grad school for? Yeah, it's actually a uh, master's of public affairs, which I, th- I entered it thinking I was going to do one thing and then it led to something else. And now I've, it's culminated in my, and again, we'll get to it, this idea of a larger podcast. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's so a, you want to make a podcast. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, maybe I should go back. To yeah, yeah. Let's, so, so what did you start your master's believing you wanted to do? Well, it's kind of funny. All right. I got to go even further back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> take me there. I met you the first time. I don't think I met you there, but the, the, the influence that you provided uh, or that you had was in your improv. That's right. Class. Yeah. We, did, uh, we did a little uh, Masters in Applied Theater improv gathering, an improv meetup. Yeah. And the reason that was so significant was because I came to that room after having been in a... Uh, a pretty dark place with my job because when I moved to the city I moved here and I hope you don't mind that I go into all this I this is what it's all about this is Zach. why this is my cozy zone yeah man this is why right. we're here to we're here to like get to the bottom flow of it, it all yeah flow it out Grid. yeah Groovy. yeah it's all it's all welcome <laughs> all right so yeah I, I moved to the city um, not really sure knowing what I wanted to do other than I guess it was all kind of part of a dream um you know, my first visit here was in high school and my family's first visit too. And it was a kind of a place that we all kind of were like, that was interesting. And for me, it never left. I became friends with, well, Ellen and I were in high school friends. Oh, yeah. The time. Where, where is home for you? North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. What town? Greensboro. Okay. It's a pretty chill town. I like to think of it like the Shire. Nice. It's a very uh, <laughs> green green kind of chill little spot but anyways um no I, I moved to new york the only person i knew was ellen was working in a public relations firm that i really had no business in but it was kind of a i don't know i kind of knocked on doors until i found an internship and then that kind of turned into a job and it was a perfect experience for my first two years of life in the city and towards the tail end of that i realized it was not the place for me to be um, mainly because uh, investor relations was the specific field with NPR that I was in. Oh, boy. Yeah, it was not... I had no background in finance, no... Um, yeah, I don't even know how it really happened. Like, what kind of a guy are you, like, in high school? Like, who... Like, what... Right. Like, what was your category? Like, were you undefinable? Did you define as something? I would say it was kind of bohemian. Ah. Um, I enjoyed, I hung out with a lot of musicians and writers and I went to a really large high school, okay. right? Okay. Lots of little factions and I didn't really belong to a single one of them other than like hopping in and out and around. Okay. So that was the theme I took with me to college too. And I thought, oh, I want to study English. Um, and I thought, no, I love English literature too much to want to put myself in a position where it becomes stressful. I'll study journalism. And then I started to study journalism and thought, you know, this is really cutthroat and not really my, uh, not really my style, but I do want to keep writing and be involved creatively with, within the kind of realm of communication. So somebody told me, hey, you should study PR. And I said, what's that? And they were like, it's like journalism, but full-time work. 
I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. It's like journalism. Okay. I don't really told you that. I, some random person. It's like journalism, but it's full time work. Yeah, I that's guess, what they I guess said. so because you're trying to pitch stories in newspapers. Yeah, and I they, guess there's different elements of it. I, I, you know, me specifically, I like the idea of prop, like not the idea of propaganda, but more the study of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's certainly a public, I mean, a public relations okay. kind of issue. Okay. I've always been a bit of a history uh, documentary nerd. Okay. And so that felt natural. Okay. Um, so yeah, I studied PR, wanted to move to the city, use the undergraduate experience as a way to try to find a job. So you you majored in PR. Yeah, well, specifically it was uh, communications with a focus in PR okay. and a minor in political science. Hmm. Okay. Which was exciting. Yeah. I and so, so history and English literature were just swirling around in your heart and your mind, but it was not part of your degree. Yeah. I took a couple of classes. Um, one in particular, with by, I don't know if I should say his name on here. I mean, you know, why not? Why not? If he's ever listening, yeah. James Ivory is yeah. a hero. Get it, James. Thank you. James Ivory. Thank you. He looks a lot like Barack Obama, actually. Okay. In fact, they're very similar. Okay. Um, but yeah, his course changed my life. And it also, at that, that was a defining moment in realizing I didn't want to study it, um, English literature, because it was something that I've always, always kind of gone back to and keep around. Do you remember a specific concept from Professor Ivory's class that like still still resonates with you yeah um i remember reading percy shelley and t.s Eliot specifically um for t.s Eliot, it was the love song of j alfred proofrock uh-huh. um kind of the way the man taught the class was very much like a robin williams uh what do you call it um uh, a dead poet society yeah very much yeah. so uh-huh. so suddenly reading the material in a different light and really I would say that the man pushed the analysis of literature and why when you read something kind of like the way you you read it um, that had a huge impact and yeah it's never really left me but in terms of jobs I like writing is what I want to do okay but it's also one of those things that you kind of have to constantly do and it's kind of a personal journey until you start putting things out there. Totally. It's very intense and very, uh, you know, lonely. Yeah. So PR happened okay. and my job there was writing. Okay. But it was writing, you know, quarterly financial earnings releases and speeches for corporate executives and it wasn't exactly uh, fun. Right. It was kind of gross. Yeah. And your improv class helped me go, whoa. I got to make a change. Wow. Yeah. What, what about, like, what, what, did, uh, what did the improv class, what was the connection between? I think it was an invitation to just kind of play, ah. which I'd done a lot of high school theater and a lot yeah. of theater in college okay. on the side. And that was always something that I'd always, you know, acting was also something that I loved. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a bit of a fear of trying to make that, like declaring that as a as a specific focus of a career. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I uh, I also I did specifically did not major in acting in in college. 
uh, sim- with, I, I had a, the same fear, you know, and I, I think there was a lot of the same fear of like, oh, if I study this thing, I'm going to lose my love for it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I went to Gallatin and I, I sort of studied critical uh, and theoretical theater, uh, but, you know, didn't go to a conservatory program or anything like that. I didn't want to do that, but I had done so much acting in, in middle school and high school and, and really loved it. And now I'm, I feel like I'm very much at this crossroads of like, I gotta, gotta get it back in my life. I gotta give myself, I gotta continue with that invitation to play. Gotta yeah. Go, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, uh, you, you were feeling grossed out by PR. You got this invitation to play at this ragtag improv mm-hmm. uh, group. Uh, so, so what, what? Which we should start back up, I think. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, that I would be great. Totally Man, I, gotta, I would love to do some improv. I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the docket I, keeps growing. The docket. So, <laughs> so whenever Zach and I get together, we have this, this docket, uh, which is this, as you hilariously said, a living document. Uh, in which we we put our hopes and dreams on. It's it's an oral document at this yeah. point, but we should make a, a material document of all of these schemes. Well, I have a little pad and paper. We could start that. Oh, today. great! Yeah. yeah. Well, let's. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take a moment to get it out, <laughs> sure. I can vamp. Um, so yeah, there's there's all this foliage. Oh, there we go. It's a memo book. There's this foliage uh, stretching out in front of us. There's the State University of New York Eye Center. But Ivy is a, is a is something I really like. So oh yeah. We're saying that. Oh Ivy nice, yeah. great. Um, so we're gonna do some improv. Like we're 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 seeking to get to the bottom of your 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 podcast idea. Oh yeah, so, that's a whole. Yeah, but so but we need to like get to grad school, and we need to yeah. There's a lot I think before your podcast idea. Yeah. So a few minutes ago, I you know I guess we should kind of harp on a little bit why we're sitting in Bryant Park. Oh yeah, please. Yeah, cuz you didn't you didn't expect to be in Bryant Park. Yeah, no, it was one of the four I would say main areas of the city that I had visited often, you know. Yeah. When I was coming to visit Ellen before I lived here. Oh yeah. Uh when I would come up and visit you know, in high school and college independently. Um and I guess the first spot would have been the Hungarian pastry shop. Oh, man, yeah. What a great place. Have you ever been there? No. Oh, man, it's great. Yeah, I'd love to go there. Yeah. It's uh, a very crowded little spot, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I used to play a lot of chess there and just read and sit. It's across the street from St. John the Divine, which is another cozy Co- zone. Yeah, nice. Yeah, mainly because it's just so vast and so quiet. And so, which I, I like those areas of the city. It's kind of reflective spots yeah they're so important yeah because there's just so much chaos uh both internally mm-hmm. for me and externally yeah and they just feed each other and so you need these places to like breathe and it sounds so nice playing chess and reading observing yeah um, observing and bryant park in particular is a very interesting spot to observe because you yeah. see so many different types of i often forget you know it's funny i asked you earlier what the cross streets were because i, I often don't pay attention to those kinds of of logistics when i come sit in these places i kind of forget that they exist that's great in a place uh, and time so you just sort of you melt into it they're they're in no place and no time a heterotopia yeah 
Yeah, a mythical place in a real place. So that's exactly what my cozy zone is. It's a place in the psyche that's in between kind of your realm of dream and your realm of of where you are physically. Yeah, I love that. And like, I, I you know, I, if you look in a particular place, like you just see the treetops and you, you can't see the buildings and it's like this magical thing, these, this mystical gnarled forest and you can see this sea of ivy but then you look differently and you see like a cavalcade of tourists walking by or you know you you have the the grace building or the suny eye center all the buses and the nuts and you realize how manufactured even this little garden spot yes which is kind of sad yeah um but at the same time it's it's something that's existed for what a hundred and i think they finished the library in 1908 oh wow so 107 years. Wow. Which, when you think about the history of New York, it's not even that long ago. No. Um, which is another reason why I like it, too. It's, it has a very historical aspect to it for me, um, to the city. Yeah. Which is important in a city that changes constantly with every person that walks in it and out of it. Again, that place of, of kind of allowing yourself to blend and observe and dream a little bit. Yeah, so you like to you like to take it all in. You like to you, you like to make a lot of connections, I think. I think mm-hmm. that's something that I empathize with a lot. I also am constantly making connections and weaving together all of these different interests and, and veins of thought. Um, what what led you to getting your your masters in public administration? Yeah, good question. Um, so I left that after your improv sketch. Uh-huh. And uh, kind of doing a little you know searching I was like hmm you know everyone in my family is involved in education on some aspect maybe I should pursue uh, I thought about teaching but then I thought I don't really want to go back to school uh, again fearful of making English literature kind of a something that I have to commit myself to to pay bills right Um, I decided to investigate areas of communication where I could work in like a nonprofit or education setting. Okay. And um, that's kind of what happened. I searched idealist.org, found a nonprofit in education, went to work for them. Um, it was kind of a entry level kind of position, but it was it was very much what uh, it was a good shift, you know, a completely different experience in the city. I was working in Midtown. This was in downtown Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Um, the former was, you know very Wall Street heavy, very focused on, you know, the aggressive alpha male mentality. This was, you know, the complete opposite. And, um, how so, uh, this particular nonprofit was very focused on, um, like a lot of them are goal setting feedback, very specific, like, um, yeah, just different. It wasn't, and not that the, I guess to, to be more specific, the, the investment firm is very focused on, all right, what do we need to be doing right now to make more money? And whatever client you have, how do you just like just spit out the work? I don't really care what you do or how you get it done. Just spit it out. The nonprofit was very much like, oh, you can't just do anything. You have to be very, we're going to make sure that it has a very specific goal attached to it. And, mm-hmm. and my, again, my job at the time was rather entry level. And it was kind of funny that, you know, I had to follow the same rules and regulations of, 
feedback systems and goal setting as somebody who was like, you know, way ahead of me. And the reason that was funny to me is my job was kind of very basic. It was uh, communicate the value of the program I was part of by answering people's questions, attending information sessions, giving them. Um, it was very public facing, but not a lot of like specific um, my, my goals couldn't really extend beyond like how I talk to people. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't very deep. You weren't, yeah, you weren't it was, it making was policy. Like front you level, exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of got to this place within that work where I was like, all right, the investor field was crazy. Yeah. This field is awesome, but it's very bucketed and can kind of be siloed. And mm -hmm. you can kind of see where, oh my God, even in our one little office, there's four different offices of people and they don't talk to each other yeah. and we all work within the same like two two spots the investor firm everybody just yelled at each other here it was like filling out massive forms just to communicate to the person it was very you know kind of you got that sense of like oh wow since everything's grant run everything has to be documented a certain way it's very got kind of both levels of both right right so different ends of the spectrum here so I thought there's got to be a better way to manage employees and deal with uh, all the challenges and struggles and and um, experiences of running an organization that meet somewhere in the middle between this investment firm and this rather large, you know, nonprofit kind of realm. Mm -hmm. And someone suggested, like, and I, I actually thought about grad school uh, in terms of, um, I thought about business, I thought about law. Both of those I'm so glad I didn't do. A friend at the time who worked at the UN said, Unless you know specifically what you want to study in either business or law, don't do either. Um, she suggested I look at MPA programs. And I thought, what is that? She was like, public affairs. Similar conversation to the, uh, oh, you don't want to study journalism? Study PR. Uh -huh. I was like, all right, MPA, whatever. Great, MPA. So in. I went. You're in. Yeah, started looking at schools. Great. Uh, Baruch absolutely impressed me from the moment I first set foot on campus. Um, their approach to admissions was very holistic. It's like you sit in a room of 15 people and the admissions director says, all right, why are each of us here? Like, what are we focused on? And, you know, that compared to NYU and other programs where it was much more like, you know, like cattle. A, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started part-time. What did you say when, when the guy asked you that? I think I said that I was involved in PR and I was looking for a more meaningful use of the skill set mm -hmm. or looking to explore um, a deeper... You're looking to take my work and, and what I was good at and doing something better with it. Um, oddly enough, I thought I was going to go into, like, healthcare administration. Okay. Don't know why exactly, other yeah. than I like, I like healers. I like doctors and... and uh, that's a weird thing to say. I don't mean... No, no, I, I understand. I mean, you presumably respect the the work that they do. Yeah, and there was a little while where I thought, you know, oh, what if I could open up like a, like kind of a non-profit, holistic, uh, medicinal clinic where it's like not just the focus on who has insurance, but more like, oh, okay, we have like a, a publicly funded uh, healthcare system where it's like, you know this person is obese and poor and we're going to teach them how to um, look at other options of food sources and if they have a very limited budget, how can you build and buy and have a healthy lifestyle when you're working seven jobs mm -hmm. and 
you know, money's an issue. Um, so the like dietary, having like yogis in there, um, like uh, primary care physician. It's still something I want to do one day. I actually have a an idea for it um, oh for later God. on. Oh, we'll, but we'll get to that. Yeah, too many. My mind's often, again, another reason why I like these places because I can just kind of sit back and think. Yeah, I'm hearing that. I mean, it's very much like going to the, the symphony, I'm telling, you know, like <laughs> where you just zone that. out. Well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> like that's where I go to like have my like lucid Oh, you mean this place dreams. like a symphony? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I thought you meant talking to me, and I was like, oh, that's... A little bit, you know, a little bit. This is, you know, this is the overture, Zach. This <laughs> yeah. is the overture, and we're going to get to the first movement so soon. All right, so beautiful. So you're going you're gonna to transform your PR skills into uh, some sort of public... Uh, yeah. Well, for, the, for the public good, maybe for health, maybe by creating this idyllic uh, health center. Well, that was the focus initially. Yeah. Then it turned into general... Uh, nonprofit work okay. and management. Yep. Left my job at the nonprofit, mm -hmm. started a job at a kind of interesting consultancy mm -hmm. organization um, where I worked in like the education wing. Right. I won't say the name of the company, but they're very heavily focused in um, this whole brain based approach to leadership. Okay. Um, I read about this organization from an article in the New York times and thought, wow, that's, that's the bridge where, you know, that's the, that's the nice management bridge I was looking for. Neuroscience. Bingo. And, uh, <laughs> actually screw it. I'll say that it was the neuroleadership Institute. Okay. I was there for two years and left. Yeah. About a year ago. And now work at a, at a small time branding agency that builds websites. And oh, all kinds of stuff for different uh, nonprofits. Cool. Yeah. So grad school was kind of like something I did. I'm still doing part time, very part time, and I did that intentionally because, as you can tell, I'm a person who's never had one specific goal or one specific focus. Yeah. And that's part of, you know, my journey in New York has been discovering what that focus and, and purpose is, and. Um, you know, I guess I kind of like to sit here and look at all these people and think like, what journeys are they on? Totally. Like, who is? Uh, totally. Yeah. Where are they in their in their own independent worlds? Yeah. And what are their dreams and aspirations? Or you know, what are they? What are they? Uh, where are they headed? I I empathize with that. Yeah. Very much. But luckily for us. It's just you and me, buddy. Oh yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna zoom in on <laughs> on Zach Brown. Yeah. So um, all right, so so what is this podcast? Have we, are we ready? Are almost. We, okay. Yeah. So I told you I bought a microphone. The idea is all right, so I've been You familiar with the um, the New York documentary that PBS did about came out in two thousand one. It took them quite a while to film it. I think they were filming it in the early to mid-90s. Okay. Rick Burns. Um, Ken Burns? His younger brother. Rick Burns. Rick Burns. Ricky, okay. Ricky B. Ricky B. <laughs> yeah, good. And uh, Getting in on the family business. Getting a slice of that sweet, sweet docu-pie. Docu-pie. Uh-huh. So this dude, by far the greatest documentary I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Covers the span of New York from 1624 all the way through uh, to... 2000. I think that I I only know about this documentary in the context of uh, Kip and Leah 
were saying that you, they stayed <laughs> at your house and they're saying you were really into it and you knew everything there was to know about the, uh, the crack e- epidemic in the 80s. Well, there's a lot more to the series than that, but yeah. Right. But I think you were, you were in, that's where you were at. At the time, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the reason I bring that up is because that documentary in particular really highlighted uh, well, it highlights the development of, of this city from its foundation to now. And the constant theme is that there is no constant theme. It's just people. And, you know, you might have huge organizations, um, world wars, uh, industrious, industrial shifts. But regardless of what happens, it's the people that kind of make and do and create and live and die very much like, you know, the it's a wonderful life quote mm-hmm. from uh, our man uh, George Bailey. But anyways, the idea kind of sparked me of like, hmm. The documentary ends in the year 2000. I know they're doing a revamp. I think they're doing a revamp. Um, but it left me kind of in the state of like, all right, well, what are we doing today? Who's covering the way that we interact with each other today? I'm a big fan of NPR, the Brian Lair show, Open Mind. Um, I don't listen to too many podcasts on a regular basis, but Dan Carlin is probably my number one podcast. I don't know. I don't know Dan Carlin. He does hardcore history. It's okay. phenomenal stuff. Okay, okay. Um, check it out. You should check it out. Yeah. It's great. It's good stuff. Okay. Um, but I noticed that all these shows that I really like, um, they tend to focus on people who are at the top of like you know the a-listers experts experts yeah um people have made it and it's very valuable yeah the conversations are extraordinary yeah but i thought what about the guy who is in the process you know what about zach brown what about ben weber yeah what about the people who you know could just easily you know decide they're going to go into investment banking tomorrow who decide instead to wake up and go to work in like, you know, on homelessness policy mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what's going on with that right now? Mm-hmm. So I'm in school with people who, uh, for their capstone theses or whatever, are making all kinds of interesting, um, all kinds of interesting stuff. There, there are people doing um, like gender issue kind of applied theatery based screenwriting stuff whoa yeah really abstract kind of awesome um, look at at gender identity through through theater arts whoa there are people who are doing um, like you know emergency management preparation there's all kinds of cool stuff and I thought I have you know I only know this because I'm talking to a couple people and maybe the occasional person that presents their work in front of a classroom but what if we took Cozy Zone? What if I took a podcast and made it focus specifically on on works of like like what people are up to in terms of like their causes? Mm-hmm. So a, a podcast and a friend of mine um, and I are kind of working on the concepts right now. And like I said, before, bought microphones and are kind of testing some some waters. And again, you were part of the inspiration there too because I was kind of watching you develop smash type oh yeah watch you watching you develop uh cozy zone yeah and uh both of those things are very inspiring because you're somebody you know i was kind of stuck in a bubble for the longest time that like you know if you can't again my troubled artist self saying if i can't 
write for a living immediately, then it's because I'm working full time and I need to choose one or the other. I know. But you're you've been really fun to watch because you've made your full time work work yeah. with your part time work uh, a possibility. Well, thank you for saying so. You know, I I have to say. It doesn't, it, you know, my full-time work is definitely draining. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, like, I barely am able to do Cozy Zone on a regular basis just because, of, you know, and I, I very much empathize with, uh, you know, this idea of like, oh, I, you know, how can I do, how can I make my art? I'm so busy. Uh, there's so much stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and it's super hard. Especially in the city. Yeah. But so many people... Um, kind of just have to do it yeah. or not do it yeah. and I finally got the bug where I was like no I can do it Yeah. so I'm just going to start doing it yeah. instead of talking about things I want to do I just want to start doing thirdmike.com org org thirdmike.org I want to make it a non-profit I want to try yeah, yeah. to develop um, I don't know I don't know it hasn't really started well, who, yet, so, so who are you t- you're talking to people with causes well it's more like artists uh, I would interview you uh huh um Really anybody, but the, the whole focus is on what's happening in, the ver- in various worlds right now and how do they impact each other. Good uh-huh. example. My brother is a PhD uh, student in chemistry, studying mm-hmm. uh, organic chemistry, specifically mm-hmm. organometallics. I didn't have really a clue what that was other than like, okay, some sort of metals. Great. Doesn't really have anything to do with me. But in reality, it totally does. And I don't know why yet. What, what is... What is- Organ metallics. Orga- organometallics. Organometallics. Um, I have no idea. But metal, something to do, I also would think something to do with metal. Yeah. And um, the idea is to say, all right, you are kind of someone who's very focused on this specific world. How do you intend to use your knowledge? What is the knowledge for? What, is the, what, is, what should the common man know about this field of organic chemistry? Um, how does it play a role in our day-to-day interactions with the world? Because, you know, a, a guy like him is going to tell you a million reasons as to how cool chemistry is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't think of it, um, but it's something that we are. We're living, walking, breathing chemistry, right? So, it, yeah. So that's kind of an aspect. And then there's the idea of having people who are, um, like, I'd love to, I, I want to do a, a series on education mm-hmm. and talk to Ellen, my wife, mm-hmm. about her work with mm-hmm. applied theater yep. in the classroom, specifically in, yeah. like, low-income schools. Um, talk to people who are involved and have ideas about education in other ways. Um, so kind of a 360-degree view of all these different types of people who are involved in very specific uh, fields, causes, what have you, and kind of giving them a space to talk about what they do, where their inspiration comes from. So, um, yeah, so it's like, stu- like stuff that we all should know. Mm-hmm. And it, and sort of using the convention of, of a microphone to sort of heighten these th- these things that may or may not go unseen. Exactly. Yeah. And keeping the episodes relatively short mm-hmm. so that, you know, if I happen to listen in and it's, uh, you know, an episode about um, homelessness in the mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm someone who moved here. Um, I see homeless people. And maybe I care, but I'm not going to take the time to go research a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I do volunteer or even, you know, give to some sort of charity or something. But it'd be interesting to have someone talk about, like, the issue of homelessness in very real terms and kind of 
talk about what's what's kind of happening in in that uh, specific um, what do you want to call it like negative externality of of the society we live in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then you know the podcast is, is will be designed to be kind of light and uplifting and mm-hmm. even funny at times. Mm-hmm. But the idea is is just to kind of capture people on their journey within these various areas. Now, is the focus the people or the subject? That is to be determined. Okay. Um, that's kind of what my meeting was about earlier today. Okay. Looking at how to refine kind of the purpose and mission of this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, right now, I'm, I'm really focused on on the journey and the cause. Yeah. And trying to decide if I need to separate those out or if it needs to be kind of a... You know, because from what I'm hearing, what might be interesting is like the, what, what struck me is this idea of like 360 degree view of yeah. things like that. Like you are someone who takes it all in and is looking at everything like, you know, just just hearing like all of your interests. Like we're talking English literature, we're talking acting, we're talking healthcare, we're talking public <laughs> policy, yeah. we're talking PR, you know, we're like there's a lot swirling around inside you and it makes me wonder if it is indeed like topic based like you say like okay homelessness i talk to 10 people about homelessness for like what 10 minutes each or no that's a long that's a lot of minutes but uh, excuse me sir you have 15 minutes or or like you know five minutes or you know you you have these five minute like moments of like you know, a homeless person, someone who works in, like, the Department of Homeless Services, like, some asshole who, like, hates homeless people. Like, you know, just to sort of, like, get this this sort of strange, uh, like, tapestry or view of everything. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I would kind of make it more, like... And, again, it's kind of a partnership with, with other folks at the moment, mm-hmm. so... Um, at least my perception of where we are, where I would be interested in right now mm-hmm. is kind of saying like, all right, this is something that's very real in our society. Mm-hmm. So who are the people who are making headway and studying mm. this particular issue Okay, and saying, what would you like to share of your expertise of what you've been involved with? You know, sit down and talk to me for half an hour I about uh, about this issue. And so, okay, so what I'm also hearing is that Perhaps people who may not have another outlet to sort of... Or maybe it's just that they're not being covered right now. Yeah. People that... It's not like... So there's Humans of New York, which really looks at like, hey, you're a random person. Tell me your story. Right, right. Um, This is, I guess you could say, similar in the sense that I'm talking to... It doesn't really matter... um, It doesn't really matter what their... Affiliate, uh, how do I say this? It's like it would be it would be kind of um, random topics, mm-hmm. but the people would be of not a particular level. So I'm not only interviewing CEOs or executive directors. Right, right. Not necessarily experts. Not people right. you've already heard from. But just average people, common people doing uncommon things. Okay. Kind of, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm not interested in, and not to judge anyone, but I'm not really interested in talking to a 20-something-year-old about their investment banking initiatives. That doesn't really interest me. Sure. Um, But I am interested in talking to someone about, say, like urban sustainability Mm -hmm. in the modern age. Mm -hmm. So, like, here's a good example. Okay. Apple comes out with a new iPhone every quarter or every year. Yeah. 
So half the world rushes to go buy them. Mm -hmm. And the old phones either get handed down, thrown out, maybe recycled. But say they get recycled. How many phones are we talking about every year that get manufactured and end up in like a giant, a giant hole in the ground? Or know. do we know. use them? So it'd be interesting to say like, hey, you work in sustainability. <laughs> I'm curious to know what you think about like how do we, how does our consumption of technology, because um, right now that's what everyone wants to do. Mm -hmm. Where does that leave us environmentally? Okay. Um, what would uh, what would my what would my episode be? I don't know yet. I guess I would have to ask you what you'd be interested in talking oh, about. Oh, man, I'll talk about anything. But it, but it sounds like it'd be cause-based, right? Well, I might talk to you about the pursuit of art. Okay. And kind of uh, the way that you build. You have so many cool projects. Oof, thank you. Um, so I, I think I talked to you about that specific journey. Oh wow, yeah, dealing. Okay, okay. Well, that's uh, that'd be amazing. I would. That would be very emotional. Yeah. Be very intense. It'd be very. Uh, it would render me very vulnerable. Well, my my hope, and this is kind of the probably giving away too much detail, but my goal would be to have each guest have like three iterations of contact before we record oh so there's like the initial like hey i'm interested here's kind of the spiel uh-huh then there's the you have to come to dinner with myself and the other people oh exactly. or we're going to talk about all these things and kind of identify you know what you care about what you're interested in yeah. talking about and then we kind of form formulate some questions i give them to you you can kind of think about them reject them come up with different ones oh and then we come to the table so it's it's a this is a that's the whole thing right there that's therein lies the that's what's special about this that you've dined with these people that that's you, my hope yeah yeah oh i like that yeah that's good it's very cozy <laughs> yeah it's very well it's just very um it's intimate it's very intimate and and are you the host I'd be one of them. Okay, there's more than one. You, you might even be a host. Oh, jeez, yeah. wow. Well, you know, uh, yeah. it's, my, it's my big audition here. Yeah, so we're kind of at this place where I've decided, all right, with the capstone, you have to kind of think, what is your area? Yeah. And I had a professor once, you know, we were talking about purpose. It was for a, uh, it was a resource fundraising course that mm -hmm. he retitled, like, uh, resource mobilization and the idea that when you're trying to build these things, it doesn't always have to be about money. You can find um, people to donate their their skills in other ways uh, than just their, their wallet. So, anyways, we were having a, a discussion one day about purpose, and I've always struggled. Again, like I said, I've always struggled with the idea of like one specific area of focus. Yeah. And he made his one piece of advice was he looks at life like a bookshelf. And that each book is like a different passion for him. And sometimes he might take one down and work on that for a few years and then put it back and work on a different one. And this individual uh, has spent 60 years in, as an activist in all different types of, of fields um, and in, in different causes. And so that gave me a lot of um, comfort. Yeah. That's really comforting. There's this idea of like what multi-potentialities or multi-potentate or something like that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a girl I met once named Emily Wapner, right there. No, Wapnick. Emily Wapnick. And she has a TED talk about like, huh. you, you know, we have all these different sides to ourselves and like you cannot, 
like so many people cannot be cloistered into one field. And so she has a very successful TED talk hmm. about, I think I it's watch that. multi-potentialities. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of what led me to this idea of like, what am I going to do for my one? Capstone has to be very focused. Sure. And I was like, ah, no, non no podcast I've seen. Maybe there are a couple exist. I don't know. I haven't done too much research. Um, but the idea of having my project be a project that highlights everyone else's projects. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. You, want, you, you are interested in, in others, and you want to you wanna lift everyone up, it sounds like. Like, this is, a, this is a, an impulse for you. Yeah. I empathize with that impulse. I think it's really cool. Thanks. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, so we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, in the, in the beginning stages, but hopefully... Hopefully to have the first couple recorded soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, you know, if you need any, uh, if you need any nitty gritty like podcast. Uh, oh, I know who to go to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not so hard. You'll, 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 <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll figure it out. But, uh, you know, there's just some, you need, you need hosting. That's the one thing. Right. Yeah. But we'll talk about, we can talk about that uh, in, in the next Cozy Zone <laughs> yeah. in, in your place. Yeah. We, you you sent me this whole list of cozy places. One of them was Baruch, which was really yeah. uh, inspiring. Actually, I was like, oh wow, your your school isn't stressful at all, but it's a a place where you feel inspired and moved. Like hearing you talk about your admissions process, I was like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why. And you know, it's funny, but that where Baruch is physically is also a cozy zone in itself yeah. because. You know, Ellen used to live around the corner there. Um, so when I was dating her long distance, I would come up and stay very much in the same, in the not Gramercy itself, but in the Union Square area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, where did, yeah. Where did she live? She lived at the time on 19th and Park. Oh, okay. Uh, above, she worked at City Crab and lived above it. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, that was for a couple of years. Cool. And then she moved to Brooklyn. Or we moved to Brooklyn, I guess. And then we moved to Queens. Yeah. How did you fall in love with Ellen Nay Wirt? <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. We've told the story a million times. Well, not, not um, on the cozy zone. Not on the cozy zone. Ellen and I knew each other. We were not high school sweethearts by any means. But we were high school friends. And... Ellen was somebody whom I'd always looked up to as an artist and as a friend and as like a confidant. And she moved to the city when I was, I guess, like a junior in high school. And so we, when I decided I wanted to move here, we'd kind of kept in touch about that. And one summer she came back to North Carolina to wait tables and we waited tables together at this old little Italian restaurant that's now closed. Um, but at the time, we spent all summer like joking and, and working on stuff together, waiting tables. <laughs> was the stuff we were working on. <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> um, uh, and we used to joke all the time about how if we were, you know, 30 and single, we'd run off to Europe together and just get and just elope oh. somewhere. Oh, man. Well, like a year later, um, I wanted to go abroad, study abroad, but I couldn't really afford the programs that the school I was going to offered. And so my parents were like, why don't you find a friend and just do a backpacking trip? I was like, that's awesome. So I started recruiting friends and um, started to kind of get an idea in my mind as to like where we would go. And 
just as I was getting serious about it, like real serious, they all bailed on me. And simultaneously on Instant Messenger one night, Ellen uh, actually asked me what I was doing that summer because two of her friends had been talking about the exact same situation, going to Europe as like a backpacking trip. But she was, a f- she was fearful that her friends would bail. So we kind of, I was like, well, are you coming back to North Carolina for Thanksgiving? We should totally like go to a coffee shop and talk about a trip to Europe. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. So she came back and we went to a coffee shop and sat down and spent like four or five hours dreaming up this trip. We weren't dating at the time yet. Um, but yeah, I guess I'd say out of that process, our relationship unfolded on a deeper level. And then it was that actual making that trip happen uh, which is kind of where I was like, all right, this is definitely a person I'm meant to spend quite a lot of time with. That's so nice. Yeah, it was great. Where um, did you go in Europe? We hit nine countries in three and a half weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Looking back, we were like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> um, we went from, well, I actually met her in Rome because we did. I did find one friend to backpack with, and she had kind of agreed to go with her other friends who did not bail. So... The way it worked, she left a week and a half or two weeks before I did and kind of traveled France and Spain with her friends. And I had a friend who is like a rock climber now who uh, has a mom that works for Delta Airlines. So when I said, anybody want to go to Europe? He was just like, sure, let's do it. I'm in. Because he could fly for free. Wow. So we flew to London and spent like three days in, in England. And then he left and I flew to Rome to meet up with Ellen and her crew and did spent some time in Rome and Florence with them and then they left and Ellen and I went on through Austria and Hungary and Germany and then Belgium and then, and then the Netherlands and then back to England and then we ended up flying um, back together to, uh, to Atlanta and then North Carolina and that was that was like two years before I moved here no the year before yeah nope two years wow and when so what was the like what was the moment when you knew Probably when we got to Hungary and realized that neither of us spoke any Hungarian. Um, and we were looking around us, and it was like that kind of moment when you're like, wow, this is the, the furthest away physically we've ever been from what we're used to. Now, granted, I, the irony there is that Hungarians speak perfect English and I didn't know that at the time. Um, but at the moment, it was like, whoa, you know, this is before, like, we didn't even have... I'm sure we had we had cell phones, but it wasn't yeah, like probably not working so good. Yeah, couldn't use them. Had to use uh, calling card. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah. In fact, getting to Ellen was was in itself an interesting journey because I had to take one of those. I took one of those economy airlines from England to Rome, uh-huh. but it was like kind of like Skybus when that came out. Uh-huh. They take you to some obscure airport in like a tiny little town and then you got to catch another bus to get into actual Rome. Yeah. And I got to tell you, um, I nearly missed the flight. Then I landed, got there, it was midnight. My luggage got, it was like the last coming out of this thing. The The bus station where I was to catch a bus was closing. Mm. The last bus was peeling out and I knocked on the door, got in the bus Ended in the middle of nowhere, or the the main termini in Rome, and the calling card I had wasn't working, and none of the phones, so I couldn't get in touch with Ellen, and uh, couldn't get in touch with my parents either, and I was like, all right, well, I had a little, like, paper map, and I'd read, like, 
if it's the middle of night in Rome, don't let anyone see that you're lost because you can get mugged. Right. Uh, I guess it was in like early, it was like 2006 or 2007. Okay. Um, and so, anyways, I memorized the map on the bus and just kind of checked it when I was in this terminus and was like, all right, I'll go find Ellen. I'll just walk around until I find this apartment. I think I know where I'm going. Because they had rented like a small little apartment uh, before Airbnb, but yeah, like a little... Yeah, yeah, a little Craigslist or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. So in the middle of this, there I am like walking around Rome, not really sure what the hell I'm doing. Never been to Europe before. Um, and I come to the place that I think is a place, but I couldn't really tell. And I could, again, I couldn't text or call. And uh, right when I get to the front door, Ellen opens it. And it was like, oh, thank God. I was getting nervous that I was like, because she hadn't heard from me in like eight hours. Right. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't like dead or lost. Right. And uh, my parents had been calling her, trying to find out if I'd even made the flight from England. So yeah, it was a trip. Wow. And it was, uh, I think the other thing about that trip that was so interesting for our relationship was that we'd never really talked about it before, but we both kind of had this really interesting um, fascination with public parks. Oh. And we kind of made it a point to, to visit all these public parks and kind of like just watch people and end up taking naps in these public parks. Oh, man. And uh, the fact that she was interested in that and, and found pleasure in that uh, was a sure sign that, that she was somebody I was destined to, to fall in love with. That's that's so great. <laughs> where where in Rome was she staying? I don't remember the name of the place. Uh, it was uh, <coughs> near anything. Uh, it wasn't too. Ter- from what I remember, it wasn't insanely far from the uh, Colosseum. Okay, but it was an off some little beaten neighborhood. Yeah, in there. Man, yeah, Rome. I love Rome. I went to Rome once, and I, I spent some time in the middle of the night. Yeah, in Rome. Yeah, like I I had a, an early flight and. I don't know, like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to, like, stay up all night in Rome and, like, wander around. That's awesome. But then I ended up, like, going to the train station and, like, sleeping outside (laughs) for a few hours until the trains opened again and to catch my flight. But, uh, yeah, it's a magical place. I I would love to live there, I think. Yeah, I have a very dear friend who got her Ph.D. in Rome. And, you know, I've only, I'd only been in July, which was not the best month to go in terms of temperature and tourists. right. But it's a place that I'd love to check out in, like, March or April. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Florence is really wonderful, too. hmm Yeah. There's so much in the world that is wonderful. There is so much in the world that's wonderful. So much. So much. Yeah. And you're, you're attuned to a lot of it. I, I well, I like to uh, think I am. Yeah. Or, or on that way, uh, you know, trying to be. Because it's so easy not to. I think that's the other thing is that, you know we live in like the pinnacle of distraction um just the the time itself and technology and then in the in the physical realm of new york city both of which are like the capitals of distraction i mean both of us have been looking at our phones i apologize you know this is our cozy zone but you know (laughs) should it be a no phone cozy zone maybe so i don't know i don't know excuse me i don't even know what time it is okay yeah you have time yeah plenty of time plenty of time um so, yeah, I, I, I mean, for all the listeners, in case this feels like it's a spastic, this is kind of an insight into my head. This I is mean, it, it's like, not actually too spastic. I mean, you know, we're, okay. we've talked about, talked about your education journey. We've talked about your love, yeah. Ellen. We've talked about, uh, I don't know, I, are you, do you have 
fears? Are you scared of things? I think I'm, yeah. I think I'm scared of not trying to do all the things that I'm interested in doing. And again, that was why, another piece as to why your improv uh, class was so influential. Because up to that point, I had been somebody who I think was very much, um, you know, in college and in undergrad, I was very free-flowing and, like, got involved in whatever. I moved to the city and took a, a, a job in a very dark place. Mm. You know, I moved in January. Mm. The job was really stressful, really mm. oppressive. I was feeling very, um, feeling very dark. And the improv, and it kind of scared that that was going to become my life. Yeah. Um, even though I was young and didn't really think about it like that. Yeah, but. No, I mean, we're dark when we're young. I mean, I was, I feel like the darkest in my early 20s. Yeah. It's a, it can be a scary, the journey of coming into self for the first time for anybody is yeah. really scary, yeah. especially when you choose to do it in a place where, like this, where, oh you know, yeah. but it's, what a wonderful place to, to go through it because you really learn so much about yourself. Oh, yeah. And you really kind of, you know, for me at least, it was this understanding that there's a million chapters in life. And, um, so is yeah. it, is it safe to say that fear almost drives you like you, you there's the fear of not trying seems to me that would that would cause trying that would like that would drive you to try yeah but i wouldn't say that that fear itself is a motivator fear okay. is more of a check okay it's okay. like you know that moment when you're like hmm whoa i'm suddenly realizing that i'm afraid like why am i you know in the moment when you find yourself stressed out or angry you know, taking a split second to go, okay, hold on a second. Why am I feeling this way? Is yeah. it because I'm afraid of it? Yeah. Am I afraid of, you know, what will happen if I don't do or do something? Yeah. yeah. And then trying to to make sure that the decisions I make are not made out of fear, but more out of, um, out of like, for lack of a better word, but, you know, the opposite of fear in my mind is love. So trying to identify that every action I take or decision I make is made with that kind of a purpose. Mm. Um, so I guess you could say like in some ways fear plays a role in that it's being afraid not to make a choice out of love constantly. If that yeah. makes any sense. It does make sense. Okay. That's so, so what really drives you is this, this love is this, uh, you know, that you, you try to make choices inspired by love and giving Trying and generosity to. yeah yeah i guess because i i'd spent a little bit of time being really nervous and not really like i don't know i guess it was jobs i guess it was you know not having much money at all yeah and kind of going all right well how am i gonna make uh what is my future gonna be if you know who knows yeah so um yeah that improv class was kind of like oh yeah i, I used to love to do theater that's something i stopped doing when i moved here um I stopped listening to the places of happiness and listening more to, like, the voices of obligation and the voices of, um, you know, realizing that, like, in the world I was working in, it was driven by fear. Fear of not making enough money, fear of, like, you know, just that whole element of lifestyle was very fear-based. And I feel like so much of our lives are driven by that. That's true. So, um, so, yeah, I guess you could say in some ways it was kind of this check where I was suddenly like, all right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be somebody who lives an entire life and realizes that every decision I made, I made out of fear. I want to take control over that. Yeah. Um, and 
part of that is listening to what you enjoy and what makes you happy. And for me, it's kind of listening to other people and like getting to tap into the worlds of so many others. Um, kind of helps me figure out where I am too. Not from a comparative stance, but more of like a, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, this is this is part of the the mission of Cozy Zone. Like, you know, it's very much like I I feel built up. I feel relaxed. I feel improved by the conversations that I have with my guests. I feel improved by uh, being led into their cozy realm. You know, I feel like I am uh, royalty. That like th- <laughs> that people like let me into their vulnerable space. You know, like yeah. That's kind of why I honestly felt like my apartment would probably be the most ideal spot. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get there. I, yeah. I, I love your apartment. I love being in your apartment. Ah, yeah. thanks. Yeah, it's very cozy. <laughs> um, but it seemed like it was a busy day, you know, and yeah. Yeah. And this kind of, this is one of the spots where I find my personal coziness. So in some ways it was a, uh, it's nice to look at it and talk in it in this sense. Yeah. It's different. So, Zach, I think this is a... The, the one question that I, I ask all of my guests uh, is, is this. So I'm actually, I'm a representative of the Cozy Zone Foundation, uh, which is a huge foundation, huge charitable tr- foundation that, that has exorbitant, an exorbitant uh, endowment, a huge amount of funds. Um, and their mission is to uh, commission collaborative works of art. Um, so you and I have this opportunity to devise a collaborative work of art uh, cost is no object we we have as much money as we need this this foundation is is very well off it's i mean it's the the greatest foundation in the world um (laughs) and uh and yeah so so the question is what are what are we going to make and Mm. and i there was a moment in sitting here with you where i had a vision of what uh, it might what might be good for us um, just thinking about this is a collaborative effort. This right? is a collaborative yeah. thing. So, so le- here's uh, here's my sort of my my first bad idea, or, or at least something that we can shape together. Okay. All right. So you know that scene in uh, Episode One of Star Wars mm-hmm. where the like Imperial Senate. You have you know there's the Imperial Senate and like there's all of the different Senate booths, right? And like there's the m- microphone that like is on a rocket and it zips around. So, so I'm, I'm picturing that like a, a stadium or something filled with people at, at different podiums. And like in sort of like filibuster style, like each, each individual is an incredible person, right? So they're an expert. They're not an expert. But they're some, you know, they're some person with a story with a life. And they're at their podium and they're just talking about whatever it is they're passionate about. And the audience uh, of this, who knows where they are? Maybe they're remote, maybe they're on site, but you can kind of dial, uh, dial up or down, you know, the audio, like you can raise the audio up, you can, you can lower it, but like basically you just have this, this huge room of incredible people talking passionately, maybe their conversations, maybe their, their singular speeches, but there's some like, you know, and they're just sort of talking forever. Yeah. So are they, they're sharing like podium people just kind of come and. Oh, there's, there's, there's like, there's thousands of podiums. So each person has their own little setup. Oh, okay. Right. So are they, who, how are they, 
Are they all speaking at the same time? I think they are. I think they are. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so the foundation would build this this uh, cathedral of individuals all in the same... It's not really a cathedral. I guess it's it more could like be a, a massive, it could massive... Uh, what do, what do you call that? Like a sanatorium? An auditorium? Yeah. But, a, but a cathedral, though, is... is I, I, that impulse is is poetic. I like the idea of a cathedral, especially from what you were saying about, you know, the the sort of near the, the Hungarian uh, pastry yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that is that why the Hungarian pastry shop is important to you, too? Because of your, your Hungarian experience with Ellen? Sort of. Yeah, my mom, actually, I, I'd been there first. Oh, the um, Hungarian pastry shop. <laughs> I see. Well, because my, my mom is, well, my family, I have some Hungarian in there. Okay, okay. And, like uh, Houdini. He's, he's yeah. Hungarian. Really? I didn't know that. Uh-huh. He's from, yeah, he was, uh, grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, Hungarian. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Budapest. Is that in Hungary? Yep. Yep, yep that's it. It's uh-huh. capital. There it is, yeah. Um, yeah, so my, my mother's father was Hungarian and okay. an immigrant. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, what's interesting is, so we found the Hungarian pastry shop and the church at the same moment. Uh-huh. And the reason that church is so interesting in my mind is it was built by, uh, and this, you have to fact check this later. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> from what I recall, it was like the folks that were here wanted an Episcopalian cathedral because it's not Catholic. It's Episcopalian. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was donated by different pieces of, of folks in Europe that were sending over these like, elements um like pillars and things but the fascinating part is that there's no steel in the entire building and they wanted to build it like a medieval cathedral so they they like yeah shipped over these massive marble columns and things it took them i don't know how long it took them to build the, the structure but it is quite a monstrosity wow well all right so yeah so what do you what do you think about this 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 idea of mine oh yeah getting back to the foundation um, I think it's awesome. I guess my, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, so we're basically, the foundation is providing a safe place for all these people to communicate. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's, it's a, it, it's a, it's an art project basically. Okay. You know, it's a, uh, oh, man, little siren. Like thousands of soap boxes, basically. Thousands of soap boxes, yeah. And uh, I, the structure is very important. So we can, we can sort of get into the particulars of the structure. The fear. No, no, no. But I mean, like the physical structure. Yeah, the sphere. It's a sphere, right? Oh, a sphere. Yeah. I, I heard fear. Is, sorry, is sorry. it fear? Is the structure fear? <laughs> it's like I guess so. It's I like don't... it's the most terrifying. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. A sphere. Okay, yeah, yeah. And what or is, is it? It, like... it could be. I mean, sure. Okay. What I don't know. You know, I, I, yeah. A sphere is cool. Yeah, yeah. Like our planet. Yeah, uh, like Epcot. <laughs> you know, uh, what uh, what is it made out of though? That's my question. I have no idea. No, yeah, I have to call my brother, the organometallics. Oh guy. yeah, oh god, organometallic. Yeah, <laughs> so organometal. Yeah, organo iron. I think they make tungsten and stuff. Oh. They can make some tungsten. You make tungsten? I think, or like, they, there's a way. Tungsten to is uh, really. I think because it's an element. Is it an element? Yeah. Maybe they're just finding lots of it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they can manufacture. I mean, I they know. can manufacture all sorts of shit. It's crazy. Yeah, it's um, wild. So, but but metal, wood, stone, like you know. Is it? I guess yeah. Because when you said Star Wars Episode One, my immediate thought was like this really, you know, impressive, sleek-looking sphere that yeah. was like in space. Yeah, it could, it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. But it could also be like a little you know, moon. 
a little satellite somewhere yeah. orbiting around Earth, and you have to go to space to have your... I mean, you know, it's like the ultimate reality show, and you're just sort of filibustering, you're just sort of soapboxing, and people can tune in and... Or not. Or not. Yeah. And like, so what's the foundation's role in this? They, they, just, fund, they just fund it. And okay. so, so basically, our job is to come up with a concept and a, and a name for the piece. Okay. Yeah, so the foundation is... That's what they need from us. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're just the funders. Are we fun? Are we finding the answer to that right now? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah, that's that's what we do. Well, what do you think? What's your first reaction? Oh, um, in terms idea? of material, material and name, all that. Jazz. Oh, name. I I feel like you should. Uh, do you want me to throw out the first bad idea? But so, where is this? We have to decide where the sphere is, because is is, that that's gonna I think determine the name. Uh, is it in space? Is it on Earth? That's a good question. I mean, is this a project that the foundation is making as we like as we speak? No, no, we need to like pitch it and okay. develop it. Well, then I'd have to ask us as a collective group what our ideal location for such a place would be. Probably not not space. Not space. No, on Earth. Somewhere. It needs to be an accessible spot by all. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Age groups. So would it be in an urban environment, most likely? Um. Yeah, maybe. Or, I mean, if it is such a huge, like it's sort of like it seems like it could be in a more remote place, and they'd have an. It's like a yoga retreat center too. Like you know, you have to like get ready to to be do your like filibuster experience. You know, to share. It's like a meditation. Yeah. Uh, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a whole like you know welcome center, and you have like food, and you like you know get trained, and you like work on your material, and then you like have your whatever allotted time is could be 12 hours you know i don't know how could be however long you want you know so it's important that the people be in the physical realm for this it can't be like uh because i almost started to think like hmm what about a like a uh non-physical realm like the internet for example well i network but but i think that i think this broadcasts out to the internet like Good. I think okay. the physical realm is important but then it also exists you know because people tune in and like the whole idea is like you can sort of select you know who like who you want to listen to and maybe there's like different regions you know I gotcha yeah like and sort of like oh yeah like what's what's this region like talking about right now like oh so in that case you'd have to have a shitload of spheres all over the globe to have people unless you were because otherwise yeah. you get some franchise where people no, might be. Yeah, and that's a really good yeah. point. So you need, and so like, you would need them in like several global urban centers. Yeah. But like, how does the UN deal with that? Like, how? Because there's like embassies, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it's a good question. I'm curious myself. I know that I'm assuming each country um, that has established itself to a point where it has a functional government, um, either. Yeah, what are the rules for entering the UN? I'm sure they have to know. vote you in, and yeah, then yeah. if you travel to them, is it your own country's responsibility to pay for that, or right. does the UN have like a relationship with the World Bank to say, "Here you go, we'll, we'll fund this"? I don't know. You know, it made me think that instead of actually, instead of making this one huge sphere, that yeah, it is like a collection of individual little pods. Yeah, you know that you go in and have your thing, and then, then it like the maybe it is projected on something else, or like that that it it is it sort of gathers these local these local sort of experiences, and then 
uh, aggregates it in some maybe digital way. I love that idea. Yeah, because instead, because the the bit like where like that's a lot of land and a lot of like that just seems a bit tacky, you know, this enormous sphere, <laughs> you know. I, it, Unless we could make it float. Yeah, but like birds and you know what the you right. Know. It's like whoops, I flew right into this massive globe of yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like it's like a crazy. It's like a StoryCorps bus, you know. Yeah. But it's like this this filibuster sphere. Cool. Um, made of it's probably sleek. It's probably like glass and metal. Yeah. Or maybe they're different ones. You know, different. You know, we have a lot of options. Um, yeah. Then you got to think of the logistics. Between all these different languages being spoken, right? You know, right. it'd be cool. Yeah, would be to hear all those voices at the same moment uh, together. Yeah, what kind of sound that would make? That that is something that is really interesting to me. I would yeah. I would really want to hear that. Like the I, sound of the earth. Yeah, sound of the earth. Oh, okay. That's, that's a first. That's it. a first. Perhaps sound of the earth. Sound of the earth. But it's not exactly the sound of the earth, right? Because it's people. The Earth is not people, but it is people. As you yeah. were saying with your New York, New York documentary, New York is people. Like nothing matters day, except we're all people. Yeah, and that is just a multi-celled organism. Sound. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was Sound just saying. Earth, I was yeah. just saying. I was just muttering. Sound of the Earth. Sounds Multis- of we. I don't know. Sounds of we. <laughs> we sounds. We the people. Globe. <laughs> Globe. This is the this is the, the jam. Federation. The Federation. The Federation. The Federation of people. The United Nations. The us united nations. Um, us united together nations. Sounds of the earth. What is what a voice of the earth? Maybe voice earth. Voices of earth. Ver- voices of earth. Lot because yeah. I mean, it's funny, but you think about maybe you do think about this. I don't know, but when you first said. The idea of like a senate of ideas and people soapboxing. Yeah. It means also having spaces for interesting, crazy tribes out in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, so many, so much so that I don't even think about or that we don't even know exist. Yeah, It'd be interesting to have like Eskimos you, on And the, you could roll it in. Like you could just like, you know, put it on a shipping container, put like six of these on a, you know, shipping container and bring it anywhere. Roll it around. Yeah. yeah. Put it on a little Jeep. Voices of Earth. Voices of Earth, I think, is the one. Vo. Vo. Nice. Voices of Earth. V little O E. Big yeah. E. Uh huh. That could be one approach. Um, that's a cool idea for a project. Yeah, Voices of Earth. So it's basically yeah. So it's the, it's this collection of of these these sort of little pods where people prepare to go and like speak as long as they'd like. Um, and how is it aggregated? That's a great question. <clears throat> or not exactly like the technology of it, but like where, like you can probably go online or you can sort of, you, it's probably some website and you, there's, you know, things that light up and change color and you're like, oh, like looks like Papua New Guinea has got some of these voices of earth pods. Lots of voices happening. Yeah. Right wow. That's going on. Let's hear it. And then maybe there's some translation. So it's almost like a very accessible Ted. Yes. Um, yeah, but it's it's populist. It's a populist. much more populist because you don't need to go to the theater. Right. The theater comes to you. I like that. Yeah. So maybe it's, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, let's see. Uh, so we did that. 
<laughs> what, uh, what are some of the other responses you've received? Oh, so many things. Um, there, there's actually a similar one. There's sort of this this idea. They're they're always not always, but they're often global in scope. So everybody comes up with their own project that they would yeah. have this foundation, and yours yeah. is the sphere. Well, ours, ours, ours is the sphere. Got this, it. This, I just, I don't know. That was the thing that, like, you know, how do I, how do we celebrate our our shared interest in, you know, promoting the voices of all people? Yeah. And I think I think we both have that uh, interest and commitment. And totally. This is a very expensive way to do it. <laughs> I like this I like this cloud sphere that hovers above the atmosphere that <laughs> yeah. like zaps vaporizes you into it and yeah. then you can speak and then it sends you back yeah. to your spot. Oh yeah, and it's very That it's, seems fundable. It's fundable, absolutely. It's it's uh absolutely. Um so there was one I did with a, a coworker of mine um that was basically gathering like a sound clip from everyone on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like putting it together into a big composition. Oh, that's cool. It's called hashtag one. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, a similar globally scoped one, was with my my boss Courtney. We uh, we had this choreograph like this this uh, dance troupe that would perform in these very like. Uh, dramatic natural environments and uh, the dance would be choreographed by like a, a local choreographer okay. so it's sort of this idea of like this indigenous uh, dance the site specific like indigenous dance to the landscape did you ever see um, Baraka oh yeah yeah exactly kind of reminds it's, me of it's the, very uh, it's very Baraka that's cool I'm a Baraka fan yeah. There's a new one? No. Yeah, it's called... Um, Samsara? Yep, that's yeah, it. Uh-huh. You nailed it. Yeah, um, I would like to see it. I saw... Uh, I feel like I watched the whole thing. Maybe it was only half. Um, I don't know. I like the first one better is all I remember thinking. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, it's still good. I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah? Uh, Zach, listen, do uh, you have questions for me? Um, maybe. Let's see. Well, what do you think about what have, what have you experienced um, as you've sat in this cozy zone? You know, you know what it is. What the overwhelming feeling has been is like feeling like hot shit, feeling like a million bucks. You know, feeling feeling royal. Like there's this like we're here. Like we're, we're very visible. We have these mics. This mic setup. We're wearing headphones, and like everyone is is gawking. Yeah. You know, everyone there is there is not one passerby who hasn't like looked to see what in God's name we're doing, and no one's asked. And no one's asked because well we're wearing headphones. It's like not for them, you know. Right. It's it's for us, and yet it's it's highly public, um, and so I guess it's just I feel I feel like a celebrity or I feel like Wolf Blitzer in Times <laughs> Square, you know, yeah. just like making the news happen and people come and watch us. Um, We're bringing it to you. Yeah, something I really want to do, Zach, is create a live version of Cozy Zone, and I'm not exactly sure how to make that happen. I think you could film it, I guess. You could, yeah. You could, you could air it. Um, well, it wouldn't have to even film it, but, I mean, we would audio record it, but, like, what would the show be? Like, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, what like would the structure... Like if you did, like, a Prairie Home Companion style exactly. Cozy Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to do. You know what you could do? No. Uh, we I'm, could actually... 
recreate cozy zones on a stage where, oh. for example, like maybe my cozy zone, like if it was my apartment, right? Uh-huh. I could absolutely give you physical elements of my apartment that could be brought onto a stage. Okay, like the which couch? Which would be very weird. Yeah, it'd be like featuring elements of the cozy. That is not a bad idea. That'd be very interesting. Or, um, yeah, or creating like a cozy space on the stage. Like, yeah, yeah. That, but it would be a, a lot about like design and architecture, interior design, you know? Because uh, that, then, yeah, that's a great you're, idea. You're yeah. re, re, uh, recreating someone's particular cozy zone. You'd have to, they'd have to be comfortable with doing it on stage. Is basically it. Totally, and it's hard. You know, you never really can capture it because you need the the essence of the the site specificity. You know, that's that's the thing about cozy zone is it can only happen where it's happening. You know, yeah, it's and a one moment in time. Oh, here we go. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? You're good. You're good. Hi. No, that's no, okay. please. Yeah, this yeah. is actually... Oh, I'll put yeah. my headphones Yeah, on. no, we're doing a, a podcast. This is uh, Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. Uh, yeah. Which one is Ben Weber? That's guy. I know. We're, yeah. we're, <laughs> it could be either one of us. So So the, the premise is we... Oh, that's me. Yeah. That's me. Uh, and uh, we go we go to the guests' uh, cozy zone, uh, and I, I chose this park uh, for today. Yeah. I'm Zach. Zach. Yeah. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Seth. Nice Seth. to meet you, Seth. This is my wife, Monica. Hi, Hi Monica. Nice Hello. Very nice to meet you. They did. We did. Yeah. We were just talking. We were yeah. ju- <laughs> we were just chatting out. No one. People have been walking past, looking. No one has interrupted us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. We we Precisely. were we were we were surprised we hadn't been. Um, oh. Oh. oh no, only just, a memo book. Yeah, no, it was very just, valuable. Just really uh, interesting notes from a class. I could hand them out, but they probably make much sense. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, but, my handwriting is not very good. But, you know, uh, that's a good question. What is intrinsically interesting about a Zach Brown? I think, you know, so in in your cozy zone, uh, you probably have a cozy zone. Yeah. It's in your bed. Yes. Yeah, that with was Monica. another one yeah. of mine. I have a list. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a process, you know, it's a journey. Absolutely. That's season two or something, right? You know, but uh, so... Uh, I guess you know Zach and I uh, are similar in like we are we are artists striving to find our voice you know striving to you know figure we've got the same haircut we could be brothers you know it's an aesthetically pleasing experience for everyone passing by (laughs) yeah Ben Weber yeah it's on iTunes well uh, oh no uh, well it's it's uh, Ben uh, oh, oh, Android. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. Any Android podcatcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go uh, BenWeberProjects.com, there's a, a subscribe to Android link to each episode. Yeah, it's yeah. coming. It's going to come soon. It's a beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Seth, to meet you, thanks Seth. for Take it easy, thanks man. for stopping by. <laughs> thanks for the interruption. Yeah. All right. Be well. There you have it. There it is. Um. I think we're just sort of basking in that. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's interesting because I've been here a million times, and so often it's a private experience. This is very interesting, flipping it. Yeah. And making it kind of a, 
a spectacle for others. Yeah, no, it's, it's which great. I kind of dig. Oh my god, I dig it so much. It's so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. So tell me about. I'd be interested to hear. You kind of gave me a little bit earlier about <coughs> the inspiration for this program. Oh. Oh, and, um, yeah. and I guess I'd be curious to know where, it, where it's headed. Do you have a vision for it or is it just happening as it's happening? You know, I think, I mean, I think like, you know, as Seth was, was uh, intimating, you know, his cozy zone is his bed. Like how, like who, like what well-known people can I like sneak into their cozy zones? Like what, like what are the craziest places the craziest people will like invite me into? Yeah. You know, like I was just thinking like, you know, people have asked me sometimes like, well, who do you want? Like, who are your dream guests on, on Cozy Zone? And uh, I think Jeff Goldblum is yeah. like someone I, they always have to like look. They have to have brown hair. Right. You know, they have to, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I want I really want to know about Jeff Goldblum's Cozy Zone. Uh, I don't know why. I just he's a very important uh, he he's a very meaningful man yeah in my life that's cool um but like you know yeah go, going into people's beds would be great i've done one in a bath which was great i was that's so funny cuz i was taking a shower earlier which is another one of my cozy zones oh yeah i've um i've actually concocted this little like it's not a concoction it's more like i've i've uh i keep plants in my bathroom right okay because i don't really it's an old bathroom yeah I find that the plants actually suck up the moisture that keep mold out. Really? So it's really effective. Wow. But it's also very calming. Oh, because yeah. Because I'm someone who, you know, I like nature and I don't really have New York City. It's, you know, unless you make it a point to go to a park, you can go your entire existence without running into That's vegetation. True. That's true. So I kind of littered my apartment with plants. And uh, in my bathroom shower, I have this little, not ivy, but it's, a, it's probably in the same family, this creature that's grown like you know, 15 feet arms that have now wrapped around <laughs> the whole thing. And I was sitting there taking a shower this morning and I thought, I wonder if Ben's ever, ever been in someone's bathroom. Yeah. It's well, a very, you know, most time. people find that they're, uh, well, I would, I would hope, Yeah. you know, to make your bathroom a very cozy place for your kitchen or your, where you live. Yeah. That became a super important element in my life. Oh, it's yeah. It's As, so important. Absolutely. And most people are nest. I guess human beings are nesters by nature. Yeah, often. Um, I think often. Where have you been in terms of cozy zones? Oh. Um, that what were the most interesting of places that you didn't expect you'd find yourself? Um, huh, unexpected cozy zones. That's a great question. Um, the bath makes sense. Um, uh, rest, Did you, were you in the bathtub? Or was I was it? not. There wasn't okay. room. I was I was naked next to it with okay. my body. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> That's awesome. It's all been it's all been pretty, uh, you know, all been pretty reasonable. Yeah. You know, I think I think we we haven't really crossed the threshold in like zany, yeah. sort of unexpected. Uh, my, you know, Claro, right? Yeah. So he wants to do one in Chinatown, and that's that is I think wow. like that is something that's incomprehensible to me. Like that is not that is like one of the least cozy. You know what would be amazing is if you put a little, like, um, like a little one-man, those little tents. You could set one of those up in the middle and just sit there, <laughs> like the two of you sitting very cozily next to each other in this tent in the middle of Chinatown. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. 
that would be much cozier. But I don't think I think he likes the the hubba rawness. Yeah, the, yeah. And so I gotta yeah I gotta get it get in get in on that. Yeah, you know it's funny. There's so many places of comfort that I would love to take you on this. Yeah, you you are a man of many you have many irons in the fire. Yep. Yeah. Not nothing. No one thing can satisfy you. I don't know. Your your life is a bookshelf of passions, <laughs> and I guess it's been. Um, it will be a journey to see where which ones I pick up and do things with. Yeah, Zach, I, this is feeling great. Good. Um, any any other uh, any final thoughts? No, we could we could let it play and pick up the noises around us. Could be interesting. Yeah, let's let's have a moment of silence, and then when you're ready. We end with a with a song. We end with a, sort of a no a, a devised song, a, an improvised, um, cool, and a, and a song loosely. You know, it can be text, it can be sounds, it can be disharmonious, it can be harmonious. Hmm. So yeah, it's so, like inspired songs of the moment, or yeah, yeah, you? yeah. Um, so uh, hmm. yeah, let's let's I'll think uh, about yeah, that. but well, yeah, well, so let's let's begin with a little bit of room tone, the room of New York City. And then we can uh, we can find a way to sing together. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? Sure. Okay. Here's the here's the here's the sounds. wonder where they're picking that up because I can't see someone speaking but yeah. I can hear them yeah, very well clearly. that's my mic that's that's yeah, yeah. people behind you I guess yeah, yeah. I wonder is that your inspired uh is this the sound you're making for the song? No. Have you ever are you a fan of Stanley Kubrick? You're singing not okay. No no yeah, I'm a fan of Stanley. You're okay. not, are you singing? Uh, not yet. No, you're not. You're not. It's not, not time. Not, not time for singing. Yeah. Yeah. But the noise, the sound, the song you're making sounds a lot like. I was watching 2001: Space Odyssey last oh, yeah. night. Oh yeah. Dun dun. There's a little element of that kind of like the the rippling vibrations before music. Happens. Oh yeah, that was so nuts. That yeah. is so nuts. That intro. Oh yeah. <sighs> You can make your song if you want. No, no I, I'm still thinking of mine. You're, well, I mean, it can just be just let it be an impulse. Mm. Let it be an impulse. Yeah, don't don't uh, just let just let yourself be inspired, Zach. And I'll back you up. Cool. As soon as you start, I'm there. I'll be right I there. I kind of like the the sounds of the of the community as my song. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. The wind is my song. 
The wind is your song. Okay. Well, let's end with the wind. Zach Brown, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was so wonderful. Thanks for stepping into this little zone of comfort. Oh, it was great. Coziness. It was great. Um, yeah. Let's a little leafy friend. Oh yeah, it's floating down on the on the breeze. Boom. I saw one over here. Yeah, let's uh, let's hang soon, man. Yeah, pleasure. It's yeah. a blast. I'd love to do it again. Absolutely. I can't wait for for uh, third mic. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, and uh, and I'm excited to to launch um, Voices of Earth, Vo, Vo, V O E. Yeah, voices, because it's yeah, it's all the yeah or voices is it of, the Earth. Voice of Earth. The vo- one voice could it be? I don't know. It's a question. Voices. I think the I think the voices the plural the plural the plurality is crucial. Cool. Yeah, Voices of Earth. Excellent. ZB. Thanks. We are intimately finding our peaceful, cozy zone. And Ben, he interviews friends. It's awkward and then it's cozy zone. Occasionally, it's a lovely thing to be nosy in somebody's cozy zone. So please, snuggle up sweet. A beautiful thing is 